but I'm glad you're here today as we close our series on how God builds. I started in the first part telling you what my grandfather used to say to me, who raised me. He said, son, if you want to build more than a chicken coop out of your life, you better build it on a strong foundation. And we're going to talk about that. Hebrews 6, verse 1. Therefore, let us move beyond the elementary kindergarten teachings about Christ and be taken forward to maturity, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and faith towards God. So foundations have to be in place before you build anything. Look at the picture on the screen. Recognize it? That's the Statue of Liberty. The Statue of Liberty is 305 feet tall. It weighs 225 tons. But look at the foundation. That weighs 54 million pounds, bigger and deeper than the monument. There's a great lesson there. The bigger your future, the bigger your dream, you've got to have a deeper foundation and a stronger foundation to hold it. Otherwise, structurally, over time, it will collapse. It won't collapse at once. Not your marriage, not your health, not your relationships, not your business, not even a ministry. It takes time and it takes stress. And boy, we get a lot of that. And over the time, could be a few years, could be several years, that pressure and that weight start deepening the crack until, like the Hard Rock Cafe Hotel in New Orleans, it comes crashing down. So we don't want that for our lives. God doesn't want it for you, and He teaches us how to build. So the foundation of the Christian life is repentance from dead works and faith towards God. What's a dead work? It's a dumb religious thing you do that has nothing to do with activating God's blessing or favor over your life. It produces no life. It is a dead work, and religion is full of it. Why do you do that? I don't know. We were just raised to do it, but it's dead. So if a work doesn't work, it's called a dead work. What are you doing with it? So I'm always asking, why do we do what we do? Why do we do that? Why do we do it that way? Those are valid questions. Because if it's not commanded in Scripture, you don't have to do it. I mean, Adam got fig leaves. How, what Did that work? Oh, no, it didn't work. And so there's a lot of stuff you do thinking it merits God's approval or favor when it does not. He says all of our good works, and there are some great works, but to him, they're like filthy rags. The only righteousness he recognizes is what Jesus gave us. And when we accept Jesus, he imputes to us his righteousness. He says, Rick, your best efforts stink in my sight. So quit wasting your time trying to earn my favor. That's why you'll find God's better to some bad people than good people. Because they have faith towards God and what he did. And he'll use people a lot nastier than you. Because you still think God owes you something because you don't smoke. Or you didn't get drunk or you didn't commit adultery or whatever your deal is. You just think you're so nice. And God says, until that comes out of you, I can't build much on you. So I want God to be able to build with us as a church family. I want him to build our marriages, build our children, build our lives strong, right? So Hebrews 11 verse 1 says, faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we don't yet see. 
See, faith has to do with a conviction that certain things are true that I can't see. The Bible says we walk by faith, not by sight. So faith is the very foundation of our Christian life and our Christian walk. Everything is built on a foundation of faith. I believe what God said, see? Well, I don't feel that. I don't feel married some days, but I am. Anybody with me? I don't, I don't even feel like a Christian some days, but I am. My feelings have nothing to do with what God's Word said. And faith has to do with believing things that are not seen to be true. Ephesians 1, verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ. Well, I don't feel it, Rick. I don't see it. It doesn't look like it. That's why you have to have a faith foundation. Now, I'm going to read a lengthy passage in Ephesians 1, verses 4 through 14. It says, for, and King James is a little bit clunky, but I looked it up in the Passion Translation, and it's worse. It's longer. <laughs> for He chose us in Him, in Christ, before the creation of the world. To be holy and blameless in His sight, in love, He predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with His pleasure and will, to the praise of His glorious grace, which He has freely given us in the one He loves. Notice it's all coming from Jesus. In Him, Jesus, we have redemption. I've been bought back through His blood, not my good works, the forgiveness of my sin in accordance with the riches of God's grace that He lavished on us. With all wisdom and understanding, He made known to us the mystery of His will according to His good pleasure, which He purposed in Christ to be put into effect when times reach their fulfillment, to bring unity to all things in heaven, on earth, under Christ. In Him, that's Jesus, we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of Him, who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of His will, in order that we who were the first to put our hope in Christ might be for the praise of His glory. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel, the good news of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in Him with a seal the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of His glory. Let me pause there. When you accept Jesus, He puts a a down payment in you. It's the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is my guarantee of my eternal inheritance in heaven. The Holy Spirit is the executor of Jesus' will. When people leave a will, a last will and testament, an executor is the one who distributes according to the will of the one who left the inheritance to those who are heirs. So the Holy Spirit has been sent to be the executor of Jesus' last will and testament. So everything He died on the cross to purchase for us, the Holy Spirit is the one who administers that salvation, forgiveness, healing, deliverance. Be friendly with the Holy Spirit. He's not a thing. He's God. He's part of the Trinity. You can talk to the Holy Spirit. In fact, you ought to. He's the one that's been called alongside your parklete in the Hebrew, Greek, to to help you. He's He's my defense attorney. When the accuser comes to accuse me, he defends me. I have been made righteous, not in my own work, but through Christ Jesus. There is no condemnation to those in Christ. You have to go to church. 
You have to hang around a bunch of self-righteous Christians. But God says in Christ, there's no condemnation because he took my condemnation. He's already been judged for my wickedness and rebellion. I, I like that. Some of you that glow like nightlights out there probably don't even, don't even have a clue about that. But when you've been raised hard, that, that's good news. That's just great news. Somebody paid my bill. That's like somebody go pay off your house. Would you be happy? I'd be happy. Whew, that would be great, right? I'm thinking about, well, something better than that's been paid off. Your eternal salvation has been paid for. Paid in full by the blood of Jesus. And the Holy Spirit's been sent to make sure I get everything he died for me. And yet, if you don't make friends and you don't know what God's Word says, you can live like a pauper when you ought to live like a king because you refuse to believe what God says about you. Do you know what sports teams do when they report to camp, except the Cowboys? They always begin with fundamentals. In baseball, one of the fundamentals is when the batter hits the ball on the ground to the right side of the infield, the pitcher has to break immediately for first base. He's got to practice covering first base automatically. That's a basic fundamental in baseball. And you can't wait and think about it. It has to be instinctive. It's just an instant reaction. When I was a commercial pilot in pilot training, and some of you have flown, we used to have to practice a lot of emergency procedures. And the whole point was, you don't have a lot of time to think, I wonder what I ought to do. You're going to be dead if you have to think that quick. What they want you to do is be able to respond without thinking instantly. I remember taking Cindy from Jacksonville, Florida to Savannah, Georgia with eight people on board and I'm climbing through 14,000 feet, we blew up the right engine. And I remember I practiced this a hundred times, and without an instantaneous thinking about it, no fear, my automatic response was kill the fuel, feather the prop, cut the power, now there's no fire, and the drag yaw on the airplane is now stabilized, and I flew to the destination and landed safely. I didn't worry about it. I wasn't fearful. I had practiced it. I had practiced recovering from a stall in an airplane. The point is you've got moments to react, and you don't want to think about it. When the doctor says, it looks like it's, it looks like it's cancerous, instantly, just like a pilot, just like a soldier, you've got to go into a war mood in a second. In the name of Jesus, by your stripes, Lord, I have been healed, and being healed shall be healed. I rebuke that report. I curse that foul cancer. Instantly, I go into a war mode. I don't have to say, oh, what should I do? Fight, you wuss. You fight. You've been given God's Word as a weapon for crying out loud. Thumb-sucking doesn't scare the devil. Blowing snot into a tissue won't scare the devil. And going into panic won't save you. You've got to know what to do and have the skill to do it quickly. You want to make it instinctive. Pray instantly, instantly. I fight that bad report. I fight that fear or disorder over my child. If, if it's a healing deal, I fight that report. I remember when Alicia fell as a little, little preschooler and broke her wrist and that sucker looked like a V, I remember taking her to the emergency room and the orthopedic hand surgeon uh, gave me the report, everything's fine, it's got a cast. Now, 
Tonight she'll probably have swelling. She may wake up with pain. Give her some of this and blah, 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 blah. I said, thank you, doctor. And as soon as I walked out of the door and Cindy was, I said, in the name of Jesus, I say there will be no swelling. There won't be pain. She's going to sleep peacefully. And I thank you by your stripes. Those bones are being aligned and healed perfectly. She slept all night. She did not swell. And I don't know what the outcome would have been had I not gone into an immediate mode without thinking. I actually believe what God said I have authority to do and what I should do, and I did it. I don't know how educated you have to be. I mean, Peter was like on deadliest catch. He's still cussing three years after Jesus. I don't think you have to be too smart, right? I listen to these people. They make it so complicated going to heaven that I'm thinking, my God, how can you mess up something so simple? I tell you, it's not hard to go to heaven. It's hard to live on earth. That's, that's why you've got to know some of these skills. So although I don't golf, I was told that Jack Nichols, one of the all-time great golfers, would go back every year to his coach and his mentor. And he would say, okay, let's start over. How's my grip? How's my stance? How's my swing and follow through? Every year. Now, that's a good idea for believers and leaders. Every year we need a fresh tune-up, a fresh evaluation of our fundamentals. And the most fundal thing about Christianity is we are supposed to be a people of faith, not fear, but faith. So why a fresh evaluation of our faith, Rick? Hebrews 2 verse 1, therefore we must give all the more earnest attention to the things we have heard, lest at any time we let them slip, drift away. Boats are usually kept in a slip for anchoring, otherwise they drift away. Any of you remember going to a beach, jumping in the ocean to play, and after a few minutes, you're 200 yards down the beach? You didn't feel a thing. You didn't even know you were moving, but you were gradually slipping away from where you started. Did anybody ever do that? I've done it a hundred times. And that's exactly what the Bible says we can do as believers. If we let the things we've heard slip Faith is so fundamental that if we don't keep returning to it and keep reminding ourselves of it, the very thing that's the foundation of our life can slip out from under us, and now we're in trouble. See, why aren't you better off for all the books you've read, sermons you've heard, podcasts you've listened to, seminars you've been to, because you've let a lot of it slip in a marriage, in your finances, in your health, in your relationships, in your business. How much have you let slip? See, you can teach or preach or lecture on all of those areas, write books on them, and still let them slip in your own life and fail because you let too much slip. That's slipping away. That's why we go back sometimes five years or ten years, and I'll bring back a fundamental just like how God built so many years ago because it's a fundamental truth we need to build on. You need to hear it again. Why? Because you've let a lot of it slip, and you're not doing what you know. Have you ever reasoned with somebody, and they give you this dumb thing? Yeah, I know. Yeah, I know I should. Yeah, I know that. Yeah, I know it. But they don't do it. How do you help somebody like that? Why don't you do it? They don't have, they've let it slip, and they don't have any faith that it's true. But they've quoted it, they've memorized it, they've heard it, but they, they let it slip. That's amazing to me. So before we can be built up, there has to be a solid foundation in our lives. So faith is indispensable. I have to believe that what God says is true. 
I'm staking my life on that. See, I heard one guy say, faith is believing what you know ain't so. That's not true. Sparky, that's dumb. Faith is walking, talking, living, and thinking that whatever God says is real, is real. Whether I feel it or see it or not. That's the foundation we live by. Every time I pay my tithe of any income I receive and give a special offering to any charitable uh, agency or whatever we do in here above that, I'm giving that in faith, not out of guilt, not out of condemnation, but faith that as a man sows, so shall he receive. Give and it shall be given to you. I actually believe that. Some of you believe Jesus will save you and take you to heaven, but you cannot believe what God says about money. That's amazing to me. I mean, you're going to trust your eternal life to a God you cannot see on a promise He made in Scripture, and then you're just going to turn over to the rest of the Scriptures and say, well, I don't believe that. That's crazy. And that's why God can't build with you. You can't stay put. You can't, you can't be, build a connection or relationship. You can't be active. You can't do what God says is the keys to building a sustainable life in the long haul. And therefore, God loves you. God will take you to heaven, but your potential will never be realized because He can't build with you. He can't keep you in one church long enough. He can't keep you in a marriage long enough. He can't keep you in a relationship or a job long enough. You are like a tumbleweed. How's He going to build anything on that? I see dead people. Come on, stay with me. Many Bible commentators place a similarity in style and spiritual positioning in the book of Joshua and the book of Ephesians. Just as the book of Joshua deals with the promised land and a very high order of living in the kingdom, the New Testament book of Ephesians is a book that talks about great gifting in heavenly places and victory for the people of God. It's a book full of victory, just like the book of Joshua. Example, in the book of Joshua, God said to him, Behold, I've given you the land. But wait a minute, Israel's not in it. And when they saw the giants and walled cities and problems, Israel did not believe they could take the land, although God said, I've given it to you. They didn't really believe God had already given the land to them. God said, I've given it to you, now believe it, and believing it, go in and possess it. You know, when God's given you something, you still have to fight for it. God says, there are still giants in walled cities, but I'm going to give it to you, now go in and fight for it. So there are a lot of things God gives us you still have to fight for. Fight the good fight of faith, Scripture says. It's a battle. It's yours. In other words, I know how the outcome's going to come. That's going to come out in my favor, but I'm still going to have to fight, not flee. But Israel did not go in and possess it because they did not believe he had given it to them. And 40 years went by, and hundreds of thousands of Israelites died in the wilderness because the report of the 10 spies was, we be not able. Biggest church in town. Where you go to church? We be not able, Christian fellowship. You have any victory? No, we be not able. Do you tithe? No, we be not able. Do you serve? No, we be not able. <laughs> okay. That's, that reminds me of that beer commercial. Tastes great, but less filling. Yeah. <laughs> After 40 years, Joshua rises to power, and he says, we are well able to take it. And the Joshua generation went in and took it. What was the difference? The buildings are still there. The giants are still there. Faith. God said, I've given it to you. Now get up and possess it. 
And remember, Joshua and Caleb saw the same giants, the same walled cities, but they didn't see them as unbeatable. They said they are bread for us. But I'm not going to fight for you. I'm going to fight with you. Now go face them. So the giants, this problem, is just God's workout routine for all of us. It was never a matter of who's going to win. We already won. Why? Because God's already given it to us. And the superiority of the New Testament over the Old Testament is unimaginable. The Old Testament was a promised land of dirt, but the New Testament is a land of promises. And the promises are here in Ephesians 1, where God tells us that from the foundation of the creation of the world, in love, God chose you and predestined you to be an adopted son or daughter of God. God saw you, God saw me as a little orphan of sin, but he chose to adopt me as a son. Now, how many know you don't You don't get to choose your kids. Yeah, I know. You just get what comes out. Well, look at there. But when you adopt, you choose. That's special. So if you're adopted and people make fun of you by saying, oh, you're adopted, you say back to them, that's right. Your folks are stuck with you. They didn't choose you, but my parents chose me. And God said, I chose you. See, if we had faith, we'd say, I'm special. God chose me to adopt me as his child. Verse 11, Ephesians 1, in Christ, we have obtained an inheritance. See, Christ died and rose again, and now he lives to make sure we get what he died to give us. How do we get it? God says we've obtained it. Well, where is it? You obtain it by faith. Verse 11, in whom also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. Everybody humor me. I don't do this often. Would you just say all things with me? All things. Now, do a study on all things. Matthew 21, 22, and all things whatsoever you ask in prayer, believing, you shall receive. How many things? all things. I'm just reading it. See, there was a time you heard that, you jumped, you shouted, you laughed, and you immediately made out a prayer list. Well, what happened? You've let it slip. You've forgotten who you are. You've forgotten what God has given you. John 15, verse 15, Jesus said, henceforth, I don't call you servants, but I call you friends. For all things I have heard of my Father, I've made known to you. See, he's not hiding anything from me. Romans 8, 28, And we know that all things, nasty things too, work together for good to them that love God and are called according to his purpose. He didn't say they were good. They could be bad things, but all things includes the good and the bad. And he says, I will work them all for your good and my glory. So you look at the past year. Was it a good year or a bad year? Wrong question. There's only one answer that pleases God. Everything that happened to me is being worked for my good. All things, even the nasty, bad things. God has the power to make the wrath of man. Praise Him. God can do anything. I remember coming out of a little Baptist church, and I realized after being exposed to some good friends, I needed a bigger God. My God was too limited, too small, too tight in a box, too, too racial, too national. Uh, and I realized I've been lied to. And I remember as I learned truth that was mine in Christ Jesus, I began to exercise faith that I could be healed, that I could pray for my children, 
And Cindy and I watched in that first year in Savannah, Georgia, our medical bills cut in half just on the revelation that I have what God says I have. Now, half those medical bills are the visit charge, and even getting a negative report, you still get a bill. I thought, well, if I get a negative report, put a negative bill. Well, that ain't the way it works. You, you still have to pay. Well, Rick, that's hard for me to believe. Well, honey, that's where faith steps up and says, well, I don't understand it either. I don't see it. I don't feel it. I don't know how. I don't know when. But God's Word, infallible, eternal, says God works all things together for my good. I just accept that by faith. I believe God knows what He's saying. Ephesians 1 verse 12, it's all happening to the praise of His glory. So if we're not praising Him, it's pure unbelief. Your level of praise is your spiritual thermometer. When the level of praise in the church is up, people are believing. When it's just okay, kind of sucky, we need a tune-up. See, rain or shine, we need to have faith. So I know who I am. I know what I am. I know what God has given me. I know what His Word says, and it doesn't matter how I feel about it good day or bad day, won't change what God spoke over me. And you get stronger doing that as you exercise that faith. If I can kill a bear, I can kill a lion. If I can kill a lion and a bear, I can kill a giant. Watch my faith go up. You've got to win those little battles to start. God's not going to put you in the ring with a super world champion. He's going to start you out with the small things, you know, like getting along with your spouse. <laughs> That'll train you for combat. I told the army, I said, if you're going to draft me, you have to draft my wife. They said, why? Because she's the only one who can make me mad enough to kill. <laughs> and all the men who weren't afraid said amen. She knows what buttons to push. See, God wrote the script for your life and mine before the foundation of the world and sees it like a movie. Have you ever gone to an action movie loaded with high suspense and drama, and you go with a friend, but you've already seen the movie, and when the suspense comes and causes your friend to say, oh my gosh, oh no, you're cool. Why? You've already seen the movie. You know how it's going to come out. God looks down at us and our lives and writes words like this in Ephesians because He's already looked at your life and mine. He's seen the movie. Now, there are times in the movie when you're in dire peril. At times, it looks like you won't recover. You're not going to make it. There's no way, no chance. It looks like you're going out. And God says, relax. You haven't seen the last chapter of this book or the last frame of this movie. I've already seen the movie, and it's all working for your good. That means I'm going to make it. You're going to make it. If you don't believe that, then the foundation of your walk with Him has slipped. And God isn't going to be able to build or do. Why does the Bible say without faith, it's impossible to please God? Without faith, not without a special hairdo or that you don't do this and you don't do that, but without faith. I mean, people in the Bible that had faith are amazing. And they're not all nice people. Rahab had faith. Samson had faith. These are nasty boys and girls. These are the bad girls of the Bible and the bad boys of the Bible. But they're in Hebrews chapter 11, not because of that, but because they believe what God said. It's amazing to me. It's not complicated. See, when the foundation slips, the whole building's going to come down. So there is a transcendent one who is governing all things and commanding us to believe things that I can't see. Why? Because he said they were so. The fact that you're in trouble doesn't mean it won't work out. 
The movie's not over. Keep watching. God has written victory into your life and mine. Well, I haven't seen it yet, Rick. We don't walk by what we see. We don't walk by what we feel. We walk by faith, not by sight, not by feeling, not by reason. We walk by faith. Don't tell your kid, I, don't you think about going to college. Now, you know how much mama makes, and we don't have any other income, and I won't be able to send you. You're already killing a dream. And if you're a believer, you need to say, son, I don't know how we can do this, but I believe God who's purpose, a purpose for you, pre your creation, will open a way for you to get the money for school. I don't know how that's going to happen, but I believe God will help me. If that's part of your future, it will come to pass. You've got to talk like that. Put faith in your children. Put faith in your best friends who are folding up like a, an accordion, coming apart like a bad sweater. Stop that. Don't go into that. Remember, automatic response. The minute that bad news comes, I'm going to push it back with God's Word, and I'm going to push it back in my mind, renewing my, my mind. Now, a doctor will give you a report based on physical, tangible evidence. You have to believe what God has said is the final word. He's only reporting what he sees in the natural. That's not bad. I know how to fight now. But that's not permanent unless you say, yeah, okay, come on in and kill me. What happened to resist the devil? And he will flee from you. What happened to put on the whole armor of God? What happened? to you. Oh, you just a church member. Well, that ain't going to build anything. You got you to have strong faith that what God says is true, and I don't know what my obstacle is, but I'm either going around it, over it, or through it. I will get through this thing. God will make a way. And He's given us so many people in Scripture that faced irreversible circumstances from old and young that looked like there just is no chance, and yet God turned it around for them. And God says, what I wrote in the Old Testament was written for your encouragement. So you'd be strengthened and know, hey, if I did it in the Sea of Galilee, I can do it in San Antonio. If I did it for a hooker, I can do it for you. <laughs> I think God's a little nastier than some of you. I really do. Well, Rick, I got a terrible boss. I should have been promoted last year. I've been passed over twice. I can't seem to get a break. Well, why don't you quote Proverbs 21.1? The king's heart is in the hand of the Lord, and he turns it whithersoever he will. God can turn a pagan to you for favor. He did it with the eunuchs. He did it with Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, and Daniel. You got an ugly boss? Relax. God's got a string on him. Psalm 75, promotion comes from the Lord. All right? Maybe it's not time for you to be. Maybe God's dealing with something in you first before that promotion comes. God can jerk him anytime he wants to jerk him. Your boss may think he's in charge, but there's one above him who's really in charge. You got some old backslidden spouse or a backslidden child, God's got a string on him. God's got a string on the one deserting you, betraying you, hurting you. God's in charge. Well, it doesn't seem like it is. Yeah, that's how you feel. It didn't seem like it when Jesus was on the cross. The greatest victory God ever won was in the darkest moment of his life when it looked like he was losing. See, this thing of losing and losing faith is contagious. You can touch a defiling spirit that's lost faith, and everything that comes out of their mouth is lost faith. Joy to the world. Merry Christmas. Listen to me. If you're an adopted son of God, daughter of God, and God has determined something over your life, nobody and nothing can undo it. 
It can be thwarted. It can be delayed. You can be attacked, but you can't be stopped if God has a plan for you. Listen, Proverbs 19, 21, many are the plans of a man's heart, but the counsel or the will of the Lord will stand. You can't stop it. That's what's good. Philippians 1, 6 is my favorite scripture in every battle I've faced. That which I have begun in you, I will perform it to the day of Jesus Christ. If God started it, he will finish it. It may look terrible, but it's not over. And if God started it, he'll finish. If he has to extend your life, feed you with a dirty bird, a raven, open the Red Sea, he'll do it. Whatever it takes, he will do it. Now I have faith that's true. So I don't go into a freak out, Maalox drinking, thumb sucking, Kleenex blowing, lay on the floor and cry when I hear bad news. And I've heard bad news before. Now I go into a war mood. I mean, that's when... That's when the lightsaber comes out. Come on, Darth Vader. Come on, get you some of this. God made you, I don't care if you're 90 pounds in pantyhose, you are bad to the bone in Jesus. you got authority. Use it. Use it. See, he doesn't see you as male or female, American or Indian or African American. He sees you as a blood-bought, adopted child of God with full heir covenant rights. So it doesn't matter that people hurt you, betrayed you, were unkind to you. As people of faith, we need to be like Joseph. And Joseph said to those nasty, stinking brothers, you meant selling me into slavery for evil, but God worked it for good. And boy, that's perspective. Well, Rick, to hear you tell it, we can't lose. Hey, now you're getting it. No matter where you find yourself, the movie's not over yet. And that's the foundation of how you have to walk. Now, why am I preaching this? Because we forget it. And the point isn't what your enemy says or does. It's what you see and believe and what you walk and what you talk. you got to believe God is with you. And Joseph in prison did. It says, by faith, Joseph. He didn't see it. He didn't understand it. He's supposed to rule. He's been falsely accused of sexual assault. He's been put in prison. He's been in slavery. The poor guy. But he believed God. And the Bible says, by faith, Joseph. You can endure anything when you know something better is just ahead. I can put up with it. See, we need faith. And we need to reclaim what we've let slip. God has given all things, and I've obtained them in an inheritance. Don't trust your circumstances. Don't trust what you see. Don't trust what is natural. Look beyond what you see to what's true and what's real. And that's God's word and God's promise. See, here's a good one you ought to have memorized. Proverbs says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not to your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him. He will direct your path. Proverbs 3, verse 5 and 6. So, I want to lean left. I want to lean right. I want to trust my feelings. And God says, don't do that. Can I, one more aviation illustration. When you when you get your instrument rating, that means you can fly without visual references in the clouds, in fog. You can fly safely if you have been skilled in instrument flying. So they will put you in a chair that spins and it can tilt. They'll blindfold you and everybody thinks they can beat the system. So the first thing they have to do is break you of that. So they will spin you around and now they will ask you, are you 
in a climb or a descent? Are you in a left turn, a right turn, or are you flying straight and level? And nobody gets it. And the whole idea is to smash your trust in what you see and feel. You will trust the instruments in front of you. You have an artificial horizon. You've got an alignment with your VOR. You've got navigational aids, and you don't look left or right. You look straight at those instruments, and you fly by them no matter what you're feeling. And you develop that in hundreds of hours of training. And that's what you have to do when the nightmare comes, when the crisis comes. You're going to fly on instruments, not by what I feel. That's horrible, what I feel or what I see. I'm going to use God's Word as my navigation aid, and I'm going to stand on it. And I guarantee you when all the crud falls away, I'll still be standing. And that's been true for 75 years, and it'll be true in your life as well. Romans 10, verse 17, faith comes by hearing the Word of God. Faith to be saved, faith to be healed. And remember Hebrews 11:1. 1? Faith is the substance, tangible, of things hoped for, the evidence of things not yet seen. So there's no such thing as a no chance for a believer. No such thing in the life of a believer. There was no chance Abraham could father his son at 100 years of age. Oh, but he did. There was no chance the Red Sea could part and a couple of million Hebrews walk over on dry ground, but they did. There was no chance bread would fall out of the sky and that water would come out of a rock every day for 40 years in a desert, but it did. Faith is based on the substance of what God has done in the past and knowing He can do it again for you in the present. So don't you dare walk through the rest of your life thinking, well, there's no chance I'm going to get married. No chance somebody will want me with a child. No chance I'll get a job at this age having been laid off of a company because of a bad economy. That should never come out of your mouth. You're not living by chance. You're living by a covenant with your God who can open doors no man can close. Instead, have faith your future is a lot brighter than you can possibly imagine. Amen. How about a good shout, amen. Amen. Let God arise and let His enemies be scattered. For more information on Summit Christian Center, visit summitsa.com.